10 weeks during the summer, and we did all kinds of interesting things. Uh, Phil and I learned... (laughs) I'm best. (laughs) Phil and I learned Greek together. Uh, We started reading the Gospel of John in Greek. We planned worship for eight weeks. Uh, We did all sorts of things with each other. I let him shadow me and do everything from premarital counseling to hospital visits and and all of that. And so uh, I actually have photographic documentation of our time together that I have shared with Phil from time to time. He was with us June, July, and part of August and uh, went back to the University of Kentucky where he was the RA uh, at the Wesley Foundation dorm at the University of Kentucky. Uh, that was in August when schools got started back in uh, September. Uh, on November 15th, eight years ago, uh, Phil and his twin brother John were in a uh, devastating car accident in Lexington. And the events that unfolded uh, over the days and weeks and months and years are worth sharing They're worth sharing because none of us has promised that we will be spared the kind of suffering that is known throughout the world. None of us has promised that we won't get cancer or have a broken bone or get Alzheimer's disease. What we are promised is that God is with us. What we are promised is we'll never go through this alone. And so... Phil and John and and their family represent to me a living out, an incarnation of Romans chapter 5. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand, and we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. Not only that, but we also... Boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. And so this morning, I'd like for us to welcome uh, these twin brothers, John and Phil Duff, as they come and we just have a conversation together about faith. a roadmap of where we're going. I want to ask John and Phil uh, a little about life before the accident, what it was like being twin brothers. Um, I don't have a twin. That's an experience that twins talk about that's kind of amazing, in fact. Um, I want to talk about like the, the accident and the immediate aftermath of that. And now there's been eight years between the accident and and where we sit today. And a lot of things have been learned and there's been a lot of maturing in in faith and hope and love in those eight years. So uh, before and during and since then is the roadmap of our conversation 
today. And so, first of all, um, Phil, you don't have a lot of memory of, of anything prior to the accident. Is that right? No. So you have one memory that, that comes to your mind. Yeah. Tell us about that. Yeah. Um, I remember when we were in high school, we uh, became runners. or I mean, we weren't professional runners, <laughs> but... Um, but we ran down our street. Uh, yeah, we build up stamina to uh, to get more fit or whatever. <laughs> um, but that is my only memory from before the accident. So one scene, one snapshot of, of running down the road. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we, we ran down the road like multiple times. <laughs> <laughs> so the activity of running yeah. down the road. Yeah. All right. Uh, John, tell us about growing up with a twin brother. Um, so, so I like telling, I have a couple stories that I like to tell that show kind of our relationship uh, the first one was when we were at, at, it was pretty young elementary school ish and we couldn't have been um, more than seven years old, I think probably and uh, we had been dropped off by the school bus after after school, and we were walking home with my my mom had picked us up, and we were walking home down the street um, and something happened, maybe we were just being kids running around and phil Phil fell down and scraped up his knee really bad, and it was really bloody, so of course. Um, he's down on the ground and he's crying and my mom is going over to him and trying to console him and uh, make him feel better or, or you know, just just be with him. And, and I just remember at that point uh, seeing my brother kind of on the ground with his knee all bloody and scraped up and, and, and uh, for some, I just like took all that pain into myself and I remember like even just feeling how that, that, um, that scab must have felt and my brother was crying, and so I then started crying with him. So I just kind of fell on the sidewalk and cried with him um, as he was crying. And so, of course, my mom's like, oh, not you too, you know? <laughs> like, um, but, but that's just kind of, uh, we were really close, and, and that was one of the things that I remember vividly uh, of just being there with Phil and crying with him, even when I didn't really get hurt. Um, but then one of my other favorite memories, high school was fun. We would, you know, we had some classes, and we would switch places in class together, and, and that was fun. But um, one of my favorite memories is we were in band, and I played trombone, and he played saxophone. And um, so when we were younger in the, in the high school, my, uh, the, trombone, the older trombones were kind of just stupid high school guys, and so they would do this thing where they started yeah, to punch each other. <laughs> they started to punch each other just to see, you know, who could punch the hardest or whatever. Um, and so they, they would do that, and then they would kind of work their way down. And so they would come to me, and I, like, didn't know what to do with these guys because they were just punching, you know, just to see how hard they could punch. And, um, uh, and, and so, and I was smaller than them, couldn't do anything. So one of the things that Phil, when Phil, like, realized what was going on and the way they did this, uh, he would sometimes come over when they started doing their punching thing, and to get them to stop, like, we couldn't, like, fight back because they're bigger than us, really. And, and we didn't really want to hurt them or anything. But, um, yeah. So one of the things that Phil did 
um, was kind of really nasty, but instead of punching him, he would uh, take his hand and he would lick his hand, and he would go like this, and he would slap him on the back of their neck, and they would, that was just the grossest thing that they could imagine. <laughs> and so, so it made him stop, but we didn't yeah. have to punch back, and we weren't, I mean, yeah. that is what overcome, so maybe yeah. that's not exactly non-violence, but... Um, but <laughs> it's reduced <laughs> violence. Reduced violence. Yeah. And so, Increased but, disgustingness, but, reduced violence. Yeah, but yeah. I, I just remember that great memory of Phil kind of looking out for me, and, and we looked out for each other through, through school and high school, <laughs> My and gosh. that was fun. So, yeah. so growing up as twins, a really close relationship. Um, mm-hmm. And then when I met Phil and John, Phil was an intern for the Isaiah Project at uh, Christ United Methodist Church, and John was a counselor in Georgia at uh, the Windshape Retreat Center and, and, and camp. And so uh, I didn't get a chance un- until really toward the end of that summer to get a chance to encounter John and to, to meet with John. And then they went back off to school, uh, and it wasn't long after they went back to school. And that is, <laughs> did you say good? I didn't have a chance. <laughs> Uh, it wasn't long after you went back to school that uh, one of our church members, Sean Brown, um, called me and he said there's been a really, really bad accident in Lexington and Phil is hurt really badly. Um, so can, can you tell us, John, uh, a little about that day? Uh, yeah, so that night we were, um, uh, we were on our way to go watch a U.K. basketball game. They were playing Kansas um, with our friends, we were driving to Applebee's, but it was, um, it was just like uh, a dark night, and it was wet, and so our tires just came out from us. There was no, like, nothing that caused it other than just the wetness of the road, um, and then uh, Phil, Phil's driving, and he tried to correct um, the, the skid, and that spun us into oncoming traffic um, uh, going, you know, 45 miles per hour is the speed limit, and so um, and, and, and I remember that, and I remember Phil's side, um, we spun, and Phil's side got hit, um, and my side, my, I was in the passenger seat, and so um, I remember, you know, the car getting hit and coming to a stop, and, um, and, and realizing what had happened, and, and, and then I realized I, I was okay, and I looked over at Phil, and I'm like, Phil, are you okay? Are you okay? And he wasn't responding. He was un- unconscious, and um, so I got up, got, went around to the other side of the car, and, uh, and then uh, someone was like, check to see if he's breathing, and so I did, and he was breathing, which was good, um, but he was still unconscious, and basically what I remember from there is just starting to pray, because I, um, I knew that uh, we needed the Lord uh, to be helping, and I was like, Lord, just please help my brother and heal my brother, um, and uh, and then uh, we took to the hospital, and I remember trying to text all my friends, be like, hey, pray for Phil. He really needs your help. Um, and then that night at the hospital, I went back, but I was basically untouched in the accident. Um, and then uh, there was a lot of people that came down. Like from our campus ministry, we had Pastor Chris came, uh, Pastor Mike Voice came. He had been our uh, youth pastor. And so uh, there was just a lot of people there that night coming uh, to be with us and pray with us. And um, yeah, so that was that night, yeah. I met Mike Voigt for the first time on uh, November 15th, that, that night at the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, talk about faith. Like, as the days went on, Phil was unconscious um, mm-hmm. for 50 days. Mm-hmm. Not really any answer to the question of 
whether he was going to wake up, and if he did wake up, uh, what would his cognitive abilities be? Uh, what if he what if he didn't? Yeah. Uh, talk about how that unfolded, and and how you see God at work in that time. Yeah. So. Um for, for, for a while, well, for about a week, we didn't know if Phil was going to survive uh, a, a brain injury. Similar to, like, um, if you break your wrist or something, there's swelling afterwards. So in your brain, there's swelling, and people even die just from the swelling of the brain, not from the original injury. And so um, for about a week, we weren't really sure that he was even going to make it. And so there was a lot of uncertainty there. And then even beyond that, uh, there's uncertainty because every brain injury is different. We didn't know what he was going to have and not have abilities to do. Um, and so that was hard. I remember we were in the, the waiting room just a lot, you know, being there. And I remember, obviously, a lot of emotional distress and pain. And um, some of the things I remember are going down to, like, the chapel. We were at the UK hospital in, in Lexington, University of Kentucky Hospital. Um, and just praying uh, to the Lord and crying out to him, but also um, saying, Lord, please heal my brother, but also um, if he's not going to be healed, like, I still trust you, but this sucks, you know. Um, but, uh, and then beyond that, I remember uh, one of my best, one of the greatest things that ever happened was um, I remember being in the waiting room, and probably about the first week sometime, I was, uh, was kind of overcome with emotion and, and sadness and, and grief and uh, so but there's a lot of people around in the waiting room so I, I don't know it's hard to process stuff so so what I did was I just went to the bathroom and one of my best friends uh, followed me into the into the men's bathroom and he just gave me a hug and said hey man it's okay to cry like like it's okay um and so um so so um God was with us um, I never lost my faith, or I, and I never lost um, hanging on to that God is good. Like, God is good. Um, Amen. Even, Amen. And that doesn't mean that I was, I was still very broken, and I was still grieving, and I was still very hurt. Um, and for a long time after that, I didn't really even know who I was. And so um, without my twin, you know, and this, what this happened and how this changed us. Um, and so that was really hard. Um, yeah. So Phil, in the midst of all of this, you don't really have any memories until you woke up. No. And when you woke up, tell us what that was like and tell us about your sense of God being with you in that time. Talk about waking up. Yeah. Um, I woke up and I didn't know where I was. I mean, I was in a hospital. I was in a rehab hospital. I was in Atlanta, Georgia. And I woke up and there was a nurse there that was just taking care of me. And I didn't know how to talk. I didn't know how to walk. I didn't know how to eat. I didn't... Yeah, I didn't know how to eat. Uh, people, nurses were helping me getting food in me. But, and I couldn't use the bathroom by myself. 
And I was... I, why did this go? I was... And you got better, slowly. Yeah, I got better slowly. But... Okay, so nothing... Nothing really didn't... I lost everything. I lost everything. But God... God... Is still with me. Still in me. Still in me. And... Says the story of coming home? Yeah. I... I, the nurses said he's ready to go home, and I was overjoyed to going home. And so I went, I went home uh, to my aunt's house, which is in Lexington, where we're from. But it, but it had a handicap accessible ramp to in in her garage that I could still use the wheelchair. I could still use the wheelchair. And when I was able when I was able to not use the wheelchair, I went home to to my home. Uh so when you say when you say you lost everything but God, yes. when you woke up, you still felt God with you. You still knew well, God was with you. He's in me. Yeah. And that was from the family's perspective. We were a little scared or afraid. Yeah. We didn't know what. And we, Phil could have woken up and not been a Christian or, or had, you know, with a brain injury, you can have a lot of stuff. But Phil was. Yeah. Well, praise the Lord. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, don't, don't laugh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Praise the Lord. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. What was your question? So, so tell me about uh, how God has been with you since since the accident. He, uh, I see him in all the people that he's blessed me with. My family and my friends. There's. There's one friend who faithfully walked with me once a week, and he's been so good. And my therapist, my therapist at Cardinal Hill, and I, and all my therapists are. God has blessed me a lot. God has blessed me. So much. You want to tell them about the older men that help you? Yes. Well, sorry. And there have been like older men from my mom's church. Like there were like four older men that um, that uh, were walking with me faithfully once a week, and I had a man on Monday, a man on Tuesday, a man on Thursday, well, I think on Wednesday, man. That's okay. Yeah. Probably. So that was at St. Luke. 
Yeah. You would yeah. walk around the church, right around yeah. the gym. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. To practice that always. Yeah, practice, practicing walking. Yeah. Cool. And so eight years have passed. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I think that six years ago, if we were having this conversation, it would look very different than, than it looks eight years mm-hmm. oh, away. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, John, what, what have the last eight years taught you? How do you feel that, that you've grown in faith? Um, so, um, for a, a year and a half after the accident, I, I cared for Phil. It was my, it was our senior year, um, in November, and I finished up that semester of classes, and I was able to take off the rest and still graduate, uh, which was kind of a blessing from God, but then I was a caregiver for Phil, uh, for a year and a half. I, I was with him, helped him get better, walk, I was a therapist, um, all this stuff with Phil, um, and so during that time, I, I was completely dedicated to kind of caring for Phil and helping them. And then I, in the midst of that, I felt like the Lord had called me uh, to seminary to go do something, maybe like pastor or something like that. And so after we had gotten Phil to a place where he could be a little more independent around the house and I wasn't having to be with him all the time, I then went and started seminary. Um, and, and really, it was when I started seminary uh, that I really realized that I had a lot of stuff going on in my life that I was s- still had to deal with the grief and the pain that I had felt and the trauma that I had uh, been through. And my brother, brother, my brother had a healing process, and then I also had a, a different healing process of uh, my emotions and uh, in in my person. And because for a long time I just didn't really know who I was, because my twin, who was my best friend, my closest confidant, had had this thing happen to him, and. I didn't know how to live life differently, um, uh, but it was through some of the healing that I found later. Um, uh, through God gave me some really good friends and people that cared for me and loved me, and and I was able to share my pain with them. And then uh, through just normal, you know, spiritual practices of journaling and prayer and a time alone with the Lord and crying out and being real with the Lord with my emotions and being like, "Hey, God, why in the heck did this happen?" and what, like, this is, this really stinks, and, and just the pain that I felt, um, but the good news is that broad, God brought me to a place of healing as well, because, um, because he definitely allows us to go through suffering, um, even though he doesn't, he doesn't like that we go through suffering, uh, but he allows us, but, and, and I was completely broken as a person, but he also wants to bring us to healing as well after that, and, and, and he'd been faithful to that, absolutely, and, and I, in a, in a sense, I actually remember a phone call I was having with Pastor Chris in, in seminary, where I, when I, had, I came to some healing, and I was like, it's like I found who I was again, I remembered, like for a while, I didn't remember who I was, and then I remembered again who God had made me, and the things he had made me passionate about, and then, uh, and then with that healing, he called me into a life of caring for others that are also going through, you know, sharing the comfort of God with others and, and his love. And, yes. um, and, and so I've experienced a, a great deal of healing, especially in the past six years. Um, yeah, so. So if there's one thing that you can say to people who don't know, we don't know what the world will look like when we go to bed tomorrow night. We don't know what mm-hmm. our families will look like three weeks from now. Um, what's the one thing that you would say to, to a group of people who are facing an unknown future? 
You want to go or you want me to go? You start. I'll let Phil finish. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds yeah. good. Um, so one of the things uh, uh, that to you. Uh, yeah, I told you all uh, my story of uh, being a twin and, and Phil, you know, scraping his knee and me crying on the sidewalk with him. The Lord's really used that story in my life because uh, the Lord doesn't always save us from bad things or from hurt or suffering, you know. No. Um, no, not but, at uh, all. But um, I've come to realize that God is like that me as a twin sitting on the sidewalk. Like he doesn't fix everything in our life, but he sits on the sidewalk and cries with us when we go through suffering and pain. And uh, that's really what the incarnation is about, Jesus coming as a, as a baby, and he suffers with us. And uh, really those times of being with the Lord um, in the midst of suffering can be some of the, some of the best and, and, and sweetest times with the Lord, uh, despite... Um, all the pain and the emotional yeah. stuff that you go through. So, yeah. I'm going to tell you something about Phil. I helped Phil write his first sermon that he preached up in Florence. Um, Phil loves to eat. Uh, the way to Phil's heart is through his stomach. What? And <laughs> what? <laughs> no. And and the passage that he got to, okay. to preach on is uh, the the loaves and the fish, and he just thoroughly yeah. went a long way with that loaves and fish analogy. So so yeah. Phil is a preacher, and he loves to talk about his faith. And um, yeah. Phil, I want you just to tell us tell us what Jesus means to you, and who he is to you and how he encourages and supports you. Uh, okay. Go for it. Yeah. Hmm? Okay. You got it. Yes. Got okay. It. Jesus is, is my Lord and my Savior. And Jesus is all of you guys, Lord and Saviors. And he's so good to us. And I was asking... God for God for something like a blessing and he said no he said no like I'm talking to you like I heard his voice no and I said why like I'm talking to you and he said trust me trust me God said to trust him. I mean, isn't that what we... Okay, so God loves us deeply, and God is like a father to us. And if you are a father, you love your children, and your children ask you things, and you you say no to some of it, because it's what they're asking is wrong for them. Like, I don't know, but um, what about the second time? The, yeah, he, the second time I was asking for something and he he said no. And I was really wanting uh, like a blessing or something like that. And he said, I I am what you want. I am what you need. I, Jesus is what we want. Jesus is what we need. Like, 
and he gives it to us freely. So we should rejoice and be glad that Jesus gives himself. And okay. Oh, I didn't. Okay. Jesus was in my heart before the accident. He didn't leave after the accident. It's like, That didn't change. Yeah, that didn't change. He says in the Bible that Jesus, he, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will never leave you nor forsake you, church. Church, he will never leave us nor forsake us. And he is what we want. Well, I mean, I want a lot of things. I want, <laughs> I want blessings. I want... I mean, I want to get better at walking. I want, I want to get better at talking. And I want a lot of things. But Jesus said, I am what you want. Hmm. Jesus said, I am what you want. church members, Jesus says, I am what you want. I am what you need. So. That's a good transition to communion. Yeah. yeah. Jesus said, I am what you want. Yeah. I am what you need, and he gives and himself to us. Yeah, he gave us. It's free. It's free. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's free. A special word of thanks to Phil and John for sharing their hearts and for sharing their time with us this morning. Um, I love you guys, and I appreciate so much getting to to sit down and talk with you and and letting, you know, a couple hundred people uh, listen in as we have a conversation today. And um, I want to pray for Phil and for John. And you can pray for them right where you are. I'm going to come and I'm going to put my hands on them. If you'd like to, to come and, and join me up here, that would be fine also. Um, but I just want to surround them with our, our prayers and uh, our love. God, thank you so much for your servants and their testimony and the truth. The truth that you don't keep us from bad things, tragic things, but that you never leave us in the midst of the tragedies that we undergo and experience. Oh God, for John and Phil, pour out your Holy Spirit upon them that with confidence, with courage, with strength, they may proclaim your goodness in every place that they visit. Thank you for their testimony. Thank you for their witness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, so I was uh, more funny in the first service. (laughs) 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 But, (laughs) but, (laughs) 